continue looking at the Sermon on the Mount, um, as we have been the last uh, little bit. Uh, so excited to continue to share in that. It's been nice, um, yeah, looking at what it means to really be a follower of Jesus, what it actually means to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and so last week we looked at uh, the extraordinariness of the Christian life and looking at a bit of chapter 5 of Matthew where it explains kind of the laws and how Jesus actually kind of calls us to a higher standard of living. It's an extraordinary standard of living and how we're called to be the salt and light of the, of the earth um, of which, as we are, we actually bring glory to him in that place. And so this week we turn to chapter 6 but in our culture we have this kind of thing where we we fight to be seen, right? We actually want to be seen by people and noticed and, like, noticed for what we do, um, whether it's on social media, uh, it's, you know, easy for the, to see the teenager doing a selfie to be seen or a, a young and old posting a photo of uh, the coolest spot to go to, some cool, like, I don't know, cafe. Karen, you know? <laughs> the spot? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and then a parent, uh, it's true, you are, <laughs> a parent who, uh, um, you know, post photos of their, their kids or whatever. We, we kind of want to be seen, and, and it's not bad to want to be noticed for what you do, um, but there's this real culture of, like, really fighting to be seen. There's this culture to really fight to be noticed and, and identified in, in our culture and in our society. Um, and it kind of it's it's on social media, but it's also how we interact with people. We when we tell stories of ourselves, we tell the best stories. We, we kind of don't show show that the weakness to others. And obviously, we're not meant to walk around telling people how how much we're suffering and having a hard time. But it's, we have this this urge and fight to be seen and noticed by others. Uh, and this is a good thing. Sometimes it's it's really and that kind of is what. Chapter 5 of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, that's kind of what it's about. It's about being seen and actually noticed by your good works and actually that being a thing that glorifies God. That that very uh, visibleness of who we are actually can be a, a picture that helps others see God. And that's good. That's amazing. But then uh, we turn to chapter 6. Uh, and so we're, we're called to be seen and by uh, who we are and glorify God, but... We're also called to a hidden, devoted life. A hidden, devoted life. Life that isn't seen. And in Matthew 6, verse 1, it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. See, our culture fights to be seen, to be noticed. But God's kingdom says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in order for you to be seen. There's, a, there's a, something different about being in the kingdom of God. Yes, there's something important about being visible, but we also need to be aware of not always being seen, not always doing what we do to be seen by others. There's something about a hidden, devoted life that Jesus is calling us. And, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, kind of in talking about this, um, this paradox, he says, we are therefore confronted with a paradox. Our activity must be visible but never be done for the sake of making it visible. Let your light so shine before men, Matthew 5.16, and yet take care that you hide it. There is a pointed contrast between chapters 5 and 6, that which is visible 
must also be hidden. And so there's this paradox that we live in as Christians, that we are called to be this visible light, a, a, a light of, of righteousness in our world, a light that kind of loves on people in a, in a radical way, but we're also meant to live a, a hidden, devoted, vis, uh, yeah, hidden life that Jesus calls us to. There's this amazing outworking of the, the practicalness of what Jesus is calling us to that we're going to unpack in this chapter in chapter 6. So chapter 5 was all about showing us the greater righteousness, those kind of aspects of, um, you know, it says, thou shall not uh, murder. But I say, Jesus says, anyone who gets angry at somebody, they are committing uh, murder in their heart. If thou shall not commit adultery, but anyone who looks lustfully at another, they're com- committing adultery in their heart. Jesus takes the, the kind of this greater righteousness thread through chapter 5, showing how the, the Christians are called to live this greater righteous kind of life. And then culminating in uh, the, the, the part of that sermon where he talks about uh, loving your enemies, turning the other cheek. Those who hate you, love them and look out for them and pray for them and, and be there for them. This is like radical living Jesus calls us to, this, this greater righteousness that he calls us to in chapter 5. <clears throat> then it gets to chapter 6. Um, and it's like he's showing us the practical outworking of that. Showing us how, how do we actually attain this? Because this, that seems almost impossible. This perfection that, um, you know, we looked at that last time, that word perfect that's in most translations. We, we kind of expect it to be perfect. But he's calling us to a, a wholeness. This wholeness of who we are. Uh, and then he turns to chapter 6, which trying to look at the practical outworking of what this righteousness really looks like. And so we're going to look at some of these things, uh, these kingdom-oriented devotions, these kingdom-oriented devotions that Jesus calls us to, to live a hidden, devoted life as a Christian. Uh, And so these three areas that we're going to kind of look at tonight, and they're in chapter 6 of Matthew, uh, is firstly a hidden righteousness, and secondly a hidden prayer life, and thirdly a hidden carefree Life, and so what Jesus wants to do is he. It's there's a, there's a heart issue at stake. Like it's not about always just about what we do visibly. It's not just kind of the things that we visibly look at and you know appear to be altogether doing good for others. But Jesus is so often concerned with our hearts, what's going on in the inside, what's going on in our thoughts, what's going on in our emotions. He's concerned with those things. He's concerned with how we actually. What, what's going on in here? Uh, as much as we like to try and hide what's going on in here, mm. Jesus is concerned with that. And he's, he, he wants to help. And actually wants to bring life to what's going on up in here. He wants to help. And so uh, we're going to have a look, firstly, at uh, righteousness. And a righteousness that's, that's not always seen. In the scripture in Matthew, it says, from uh, Matthew 6, from verse 2 to 4, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He's trying to address the, the motives of our giving, our righteousness, of how we actually love on others, of 
how we try and present ourselves uh, to others. And uh, he uses that example of giving to the needy, and I think that's kind of an important example and relatable for us today because um, when, and it's kind of the opposite thing, when we're walking down the street and there's um, a homeless person there, we we probably are more more, uh, inclined to just walk past them, more inclined to just not engage with them because culturally that's kind of uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to like engage with a homeless person, especially if we're you know, already on the way to something, we're busy, we're doing something, we have to stop and engage. And I mean, sure, we might give them a little bit of money, but like actually engage with someone, uh, a homeless person, is kind of an uncomfortable uncom- thing in our culture. Um, and uh, yeah, more often you just see people just walking past and trying to avoid those kind of people uh, on their path. and. Uh, it's the kind of righteousness Jesus calls us to actually get into the uncomfortable places and actually be okay with being uncomfortable. Is actually maybe in that in that scenario actually stopping and talking with someone in that situation and actually identifying them as a human being, actually having a conversation with them. Um, unlike what our culture would kind of do and just walk by them, uh, actually stopping and moving in the uncomfortableness moving away from what the cultural norm is and actually be, be uh, seen by kind of being uncomfortable. Because the, the image to be seen is maybe to actually walk past it and to be acceptable. But kind of a call as a Christian is to actually notice these kind of people. And this is, this is kind of... This righteousness is not just about kind of how we treat um, the homeless and the, uh, the needy, which I think is super important how we do that. And I think Jesus thinks that's really important. But it also goes so deep into just how we live our righteousness. Are we doing this to be seen? Or are we doing this to actually bring God's kingdom here on earth? And if you think about those things in chapter 5, uh, not getting angry, the lustfulness, the uh, being a friend to your enemy. See, our, our culture fights to be seen. So not kind of just do what these kind of extreme things, but just fit in with our culture. Fit in not to, to, to the peer pressure of our culture. That's what our culture wants to fight for. But we want to kind of come against that. And in our righteousness, see it as an opportunity to bring God's kingdom here on earth. That's what our righteousness is about. When we do good, when we actually choose not to get angry, or, or we actually go, I, I, sometimes we get angry, and that happens. I get angry at my, my girl sometimes. Uh, and... And then you go, okay, that wasn't good. You recognise and confront that anger. You confront that sin and go, I'm sorry. I, didn't, I don't want to be that kind of person. And you confront it because living a righteousness is an opportunity for God's kingdom to come on earth. That's what living righteousness is an opportunity for. When we do that, we actually can see God's kingdom come here on earth and actually embody and be in presence in this earth. That's what our righteousness does. It has this power and ability to actually do that. God is glorified in our midst. And so, yeah, let's think about these areas of righteousness, these areas that we're trying to do good in. Let's not just see it as like, I, I want to do this so that I feel like I'm a good Christian, but let's actually see the opportunity for God's kingdom to come here on earth, which kind of leads me to the second point, which is our prayer, our prayer life. And this, this section of the Sermon on the Mount, the, 
the section about talking about prayer and then uh, going into the Lord's Prayer. This section uh, is the very central part of this sermon. It's the, the sermon is kind of spread over from chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. That's the sermon of the Mount. Uh, and then right in the middle is chapter 6. Uh, we know maths. <laughs> that's kind of right. And then right in the middle of chapter 6 is this part on prayer. And this is important. The Jewish writers, they had these kind of things in how they wrote as a significant part. It was, it was to say that this is a central part of my message here. This is a key important part of what I'm trying to get my disciples to grab a hold of is prayer. And the importance of not just doing prayer as a religious duty, but, but seeing the significance and centrality of how prayer is called to actually be the very centre of what we do, that our prayer life, there's so much that comes out of it, and we need to be shaping what we do, are doing in prayer. It's, a central, it's central to our life. It's centrality of what Jesus is trying to do. And so I'm going to read um, this part in Matthew 6, from verse 5 to 13, but then when I get to the Lord's Prayer, which starts with Our Father in Heaven, uh, I'd like us all to, to say it together um, when I get to that part uh, so I'm going to read, and then we're going to read together. It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Here we go. <laughs> Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Thanks, guys. <laughs> this uh, prayer it starts from a place of uh, this family relationship. Our Father, who is in heaven. And even preceding this, he's talking about Pray to your Father who, who knows what you want before you even ask Him. See, God does not worry about kind of the backstory. You know how when we're telling a story, particularly James, and he, you need to provide the backstory of everything that's going on. The context is important to get everything, to understand where the story is leading. You need to understand everything that's around it. We don't need to do that with God. God doesn't need the backstory. He doesn't need kind of the extra thoughts and feelings that are going on inside of us. He knows what we need before we even ask Him. We actually get to just come to Him as we are. We get to come to Him as we are and just present ourselves as our Father and go, God, our Father, hallowed be your name. You are amazing. See, this part of the prayer is... Jesus is trying to show us that this relationship is so key to our prayer. How we see our relationship with God as our Father is so key to prayer. How He, he, he accepts us and puts us in a place of worth is so key to our place in prayer. It is significant. 
See, our prayer life is so significant and central. And there's, you know, obviously so much I can talk about this, this amazing prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and I'd love us this week to have a... Come on, Rufus. Um, uh, I'd love us this week um, to have um, this prayer on our minds. I want us this week to every single day maybe pray this prayer. If, if a prayer, your prayer life isn't gone well or whatever, wherever you're at, let this bit be a prayer that you pray this week. I, um, I try and this is something that I try and pray every day. I think when Jesus says, pray this, I think he actually means we should pray it. And so maybe this week, why don't you every day, the first thing you do when you wake up, instead of reaching for your phone, let's, let's pray this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And as you pray these words, take them slowly. Actually think about what, what these words, if you don't know what some of the words mean, maybe look them up. Some of these words have real significance and importance and, and sometimes we just kind of say the words because we've always said it, but we don't really, what does, you know, give us today our daily bread really mean? Now look into the significance of what that means. And uh, yeah, I encourage you to do that um, and, and just let these words actually uh, strengthen you this week as you pray it and declare it because uh, prayer is a central part, a significant part of who we are. And the reason is because we, we, we do come with this family relationship, this, this father who actually wants to connect with us. And so prayer is that, that opportunity for us to connect with our father, our God, who actually wants to pour out upon us and bring strength into our lives to lift us up and to help us. And so let's push into that place of prayer. Let's see the significance of the hidden devoted aspect of prayer and how it is called to be central, more central than anything else, than learning about anything else, more central than Facebook or Instagram, more central than anything else is that place of prayer that he calls us to. And so before I, you know, I'm I'm not going to keep talking about it because I'm going to just ask Cameron because we just had a... uh, a uh, 24 hours of prayer as a church at um, joined with Hepburn Heights uh, and um, Cameron I think you first thought he was going to be at 2 hours that was your first plan of prayer and he ended up at 15 hours of the 24 hours um, and uh, yeah I, I rocked up uh, the early hours on, on Saturday morning and he was asleep on some couches <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, woke up. Not you know, he wasn't asleep the whole time. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just beautiful. I I loved I loved seeing him there and just how his heart for yeah. prayer to be in that place. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought I'd ask Cameron to share um, what yeah what was why was that significant for you? What was a big thing a takeaway for you for being in that place? Fifteen hours soaked in prayer. Yeah, um, I mean, that's good. <laughs> I, um, so I was at youth on the Friday night, and then all the youth leaders got in at like around 10 o'clock. Um, and yeah, it was just like normal kind of nice prayer at the beginning. Um, and then at 11 o'clock, they had a uh, silent disco. <laughs> um, 
which is like the headphones, you got different mm. channels, um, and they had like praise music running through. Um, and like at first, I wasn't really keen on it because you know it's a bit lame. But um, <laughs> as soon as like everyone was yeah, you know, getting into it, um, it was just a really freeing experience. Just um, being in presence, not worrying about what I look like or you know who's around me, but just yeah, having fun. Um, and then that kind of set up. Um, my heart and like it rolled on at 12 o'clock that session finished and I was like oh I'm going to stay around for a bit longer I think um, and then as each hour rolled rolled by I was like oh I can stay for a bit longer I can stay for a bit longer um, and it really just convicted me like at the end of each hour I was like okay tomorrow I don't have any plans I have to vote um, and that's all I've got to do tomorrow. Um, and convicted me, I was like, what am I prioritizing? Yeah, and if God's supposed to be a number one in my life, will I give up sleep for him? Will I mm. give up this space and this time to just soak in his presence? Like, for most of the time, I wasn't, I wasn't speaking out loud or praying, but it was just. Yeah, being in this presence with yeah. other people praying around you. Um, moments where we were spent an hour um, in in the Word and mm. we had a list of um, verses and just like reading those over together mm. um, and had some great moments in that. Moments where we were um, just thinking about those, those people in our lives that we want to see in his kingdom, people that have walked away, um, mm. thinking about some friends and just like breaks your heart. Mm. Um, and um, but I think the most significant thing for me was um, I feel like I don't have that great of a prayer life. Like I love worship, um, and it's I find it easy to worship but just prayer my prayer and uh, reading his word is like uh, it's kind of not great um, and I'm going to share a prayer that I wrote down what time did you write it down? <laughs> uh, 3.23 a.m. <laughs> things that happen at 3 a.m. in prayer guys <laughs> yeah and so I was just in that space um and I was like, okay, I want to I wanna write down a daily prayer for myself, which is going to help me you know, build up that faith. Um, and so, yeah, this is what it says. Um, a prayer to my Savior. God, I love you. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace. Yet, despite that, you freely give it to me. Time and time again, I fall short. But you always pick me up. You're always there for me. You never leave me. You never forsake me. God, I want more of you. I want to be more like you. Set my heart on fire once again. Help me be a righteous person. 
show me what it means to love others. Don't let me settle for second best. Plant me firmly in your house. I thank and adore you, Jesus. Mm. And then, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Mm. It's beautiful. Thanks, man. Yeah, so... It's good. I mean, it's, it wasn't anything to do with just mm. me. It was more just, yeah, wanting more of God in mm. my life. And being in that space. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Nice. That's um, yeah. nice. It's yeah. It's the that that's and that's what it means. That centrality place for where God is called to be. Um, and it's inconvenient sometimes, but it's yeah, fighting for that place. Um, that's cool. And we're at three a.m. You're just in the presence of God, and He speaks to you a prayer for you to pray something that to encourage you every single day that's what that prayer life can do for us uh, and strengthens us in those times so thanks mate that's good and um yeah that's kind of the, the devoted prayer life the hidden space which god calls us into um and then thirdly he calls us to a uh, carefree life for life that that stands apart uh, by how yeah when we're not called to worry and um yeah, if there's, there's a mantra our world needs is that uh, Jesus brings real rest. Real rest. Not kind of some uh, temporary kind of fake rest that you think Netflix is going to feel, but real rest that um, only Jesus can actually bring. Uh, and uh, the scripture here in uh, John 20, uh, sorry, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And what, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your, yet, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's cool. Jesus' words are amazing. And what he actually brings is even more amazing. <laughs> what he brings is more than just his words, but this is the actual life he, he leads us to is a life where we don't have to be filled with worry. We don't have to be consumed with the worry. Worry to be seen, worry to uh, fit in, worry to live up to a performance, worried 
to have that perfect career, worried for anything. Jesus actually calls us to just trust him and have faith in him, to believe in him, have that hidden righteousness in our faith, determine that God has it in control, to not be consumed with what everything else is going on, but just to continue to trust in him. Trust in him. Let the carefree life, let a life of just going, God, we just trust you. We trust you. And so these three areas, the hidden devotions of where he calls us in our righteousness, not to think that we are amazing, but just continue to submit, God, you have made us and we do this to actually bring your kingdom here on earth. We, we want to actually do good to actually see your kingdom come. Not to be seen, not to be noticed, but to see your kingdom come. To Our prayer life, that needs to be central to who we are. And the carefree life, a life that isn't consumed with worry or fear, but to actually submit, Jesus, we trust you. We trust you. And so much is, is of this is, is wrapped around our, our habits. We're kind of talking about prayer. We're talking about um, our thoughts. We're talking about uh, the actions we do in righteousness. There's so much consumed with our habits, like the little things that we do every single day. There's so much, so many little things that we do every single day that actually makes up our day, uh, and they are our habits. Uh, and what God continues to call us into is to uh, realize where our habits are at and to continue to, to let God shape that to confront where our habits are at. What do you do in the mornings when you wake up? Is the first thing you turn to is your phone, to social media? Is that the kind of thing? Or maybe to emails or to just trying to work on your day uh, and actually realising that God wants to shape that morning space, shape uh, who we are in the morning and, and starting that just first thing, waking up and, and saying the Lord's Prayer. Amazing thing to do. Um, during the middle of the day where we can get lost in the flurry of activities that goes on in a day. What, how are you being aware of God? How are you actually letting God speak to you? Uh, how are you actually stopping in and just even for a minute uh, and allowing God to speak to you? Uh, and then in the evening, the habits that we form to just kind of maybe watch TV or um, just get lost with kind of whatever we're doing. There's habits that we have. And we can think about our days and see the little things that we do all throughout it. And the thing that God continues to call us into is just to, will you actually live a hidden, devoted life of following me? And I'm not calling us to some level of perfection where every area we're just always connecting with God in this beautiful, harmonious way. It's, it's you know, that's not life. We're going to struggle we're going to fight for this, but this is what we call to, yeah. to be a disciple and follower of Jesus. We are called to think of this and actually shape our lives around this, to not just be okay with, oh, I'm just busy. This is just how life is. Not just be okay with that cultural norm. Not just be okay, oh, this is kind of how things go, but go, no, I don't want to let myself live like this. I actually want to change some things. I want to change the kind of person that I am, the kind of habits that I have. Uh, and so firstly, it's about us kind of calling that out and going, I want to do this. But then secondly, we actually need each other. And so if this is an area that you want to grow in, talk to somebody. 
get some help. We, that's why we kind of do dinner church where you can have a space where you can actually have this conversation with others. You keep each other accountable and we dig into what this looks like. Uh, and yeah, let God shape us and change us.